0: Did you know Marvel's Eternals were originally created as a way to explore deep spiritual questions? Maybe you hated the new Eternals movie. Maybe you liked it, or maybe you just didn't get it. Discovering the spiritual inspiration behind Eternals will unlock a completely different understanding of this film. Buried within this film are layers of hidden themes from many ancient religions, including Greek mythology, Babylonian religion, ancient Judaism, and early Christianity, even the book of Enoch. So what spiritual questions were Eternals written to help the creators explore? We're here to talk about it. This is the Movies Are Spiritual podcast. I am here with Doug and Drew, and we are digging into the spiritual content of this movie, and it is rich. Okay, so I was wondering if you guys found this movie easy or difficult to follow. Difficult. First viewing, difficult.
1: I thought so too. Now, I've seen it a second time and it's completely different from the first time I watched it. So, Drew, it's just talk about the
2: difficultness. That's a word. Difficultness. Um, difficultness. I had a hard time with it. Not necessarily, I didn't have a hard time following what the whole plot was. I, I understood what they were, what the bad guys were, what the whole point of them being on Earth was. That stuff I followed. The hard part for me was I thought there was a lot of downtime. There's just a lot of talking and not a whole lot of action. And it's a two and a half hour movie. So you're just kind of sitting there waiting like, do something, do something. And then you'd have like a little fight scene. And then they would jump back in time 500 years. And you're like, okay, where are we at now? Now what's going on? And then that's a quick segment. Now we're back into the present. Now we're back 300 years and we're here. And then we jump back two days ago. And it's like, ah. and eventually, like, I, this is the way my brain was working when I was watching. It's just like, ah, I can't. I, I don't know where where we're at. I don't know what's going on now. This guy's a bad guy all of a sudden. <laughs> so
0: so you had a hard time following all of that stuff in the plot, the jumping around.
2: I don't know. The word I guess I can use is I was bored with it. And so when you're bored with the movie, it's mm-hmm. hard to keep your focus on what's going on. There was times where I had to rewind it a couple times just to rewatch a good scene again because it's like, I I just missed half of what they were saying because I looked over here and I saw something, you know, I saw a cat playing with a toy on the floor and I watched it for three minutes. (laughs) So I had to rewind it. So I think that, I think that was the hard part for me was I think it was a little slow in some areas and it just could not hold my attention. I thought the, you know, like the fight scenes when they had them were interesting. I thought they was good. I thought the visually it was really good.
0: I thought a lot of the Mm -hmm. plot was, given in dialogue and not shown. So I felt like there was all this stuff that you had to keep track of that was just a line here or there, and then you've got the jumping around in time. And that's even before we start to talk about like how complicated the spiritual themes and the theology that inspired this film is. So like people might have been lost watching this movie before they even know the theological message that you know, the creator of Eternals was kind of going for. So I thought it would be an awesome movie to talk about because there's there's so much packed in here. But I think off camera, we talked about this probably should have been a TV show or maybe a trilogy where they developed the characters a little bit more.
2: Yeah, and that's the other thing. You you know, you start at the beginning, you have, what is there, seven of them? There are 10 of them. So, so, yeah, I still don't even know. <laughs> yep. But like some of them, you don't even see until like the last 45 minutes of the movie, you know? It's like they're just jumping around the world, collecting their friends. And it's like, okay.
0: well, I'll tell you what this movie was originally going to be. The Hollywood Reporter, they originally reported that Angelina Jolie was supposed to play Cersei. So I wondered, would you have rather seen that movie where she played the central character? Or would you rather see what we got where she plays Thena? My
2: personal opinion, I don't think it would have made a difference.
1: Probably the same. I guess the only difference would be she's beautiful enough she could date a younger dude. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But they're eternal, right? So maybe age doesn't matter to them.
1: True. True. Might have been able to pull that off, but I did like her as the uh, mad weary, you know, something I did not catch on the first time.
2: Oh, that she watching went crazy? Either.
1: I was, again, distracted and everything. And yeah, but why she was going crazy and what she was remembering, stuff like that. So that kind of added to the plot.
2: I don't know why she went crazy. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you don't remember that, do you?
1: Yeah.
0: See, that's one of those things where they just drop one line, and if you miss it and you miss something central, they should have shown it in flashbacks, or they should have shown yeah, uh, what happened. So I guess we'll get to that when we go through the plot, and it'll be
2: a surprise for It Jordan. will be, because like, I, all of a sudden she was just crazy and it's like why is she crazy
1: it adds so much to the plot and like nathan said it is literally stated you hear him say mad weary you know is she mad weary i've heard yeah. it, you know that's just a myth you know a couple times and then i think it's sprite she has one line in the middle of it that's just like oh this is what mad weary is
2: and they're all like oh so wow. i knew that she had something and that was causing her to go a little nuts but i don't know why she had it But I, so I didn't know they even explained it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Missed
0: that part. Yeah. And I'm actually a big Angelina Jolie fan. I think she's probably my favorite female actress. I just thought ever since I saw the first Tomb Raider, I just thought there was something about the enthusiasm that she brought to that role. And then I learned in her personal life that she's a very interesting person. Like I think the first time she got married, she wore a t-shirt. Spelling something with her groom's blood on it, or something. I think it might spell well, his name. She,
1: when she was married to Billy Bob Thornton, she she wore a vial of his blood as a necklace, mm-hmm. and oh. he wore a vial of her blood.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's she's a little freaky. So it's not as weird as the article I read because I was imagining that she like the article I read said it was on the shirt. Could be on you know. Oh no, it's cool. Um,
1: I could have totally seen her doing something weird like that. yeah
0: More fun stuff to look up. Yeah. For listeners, I thought if you didn't like this movie, like if you thought it sucked the first time you watched it, I think the key to enjoying this movie is being able to identify and understand the spiritual themes. Some of these characters are going to represent angels and gods, and it's inspired by material from a number of old ancient religions. So if you notice that, Jack Kirby was actually trying to explore the origin of humans, when he made Eternals. So as we dive into that material, I think it might be interesting because I know I dragged you guys kicking and screaming into reviewing this movie. One of you had seen it, one of you had. <laughs> you weren't excited. And I thought, okay, well, let's talk about what it's about spiritually and then rewatch it. Let's see if you feel the same. So you'll hear our final verdict at the end and you'll figure out if I actually like this movie and think it's good or not. But regardless... There's a ton packed into this movie to talk about. So let's dive into the spiritual themes behind this movie. This is like my nerd zone, right? Because I'm the theology guy. We talked about Jack Kirby was trying to explore the origins of humanity. I sent you guys a picture where Jack Kirby even had a storyline. I think he and Neil Gaiman worked on Eternals. Well, one of them wrote a comic where the Eternals were actually involved in a flood story, like Noah's Ark. Mm -hmm. Did you see that graphic I sent you? I don't know what they were. Humans and other creatures involved in the flood. There was this face that looked like the thing. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, and that storyline, Icarus was actually trying to help restart humanity because the gods were judging the earth, trying to wipe out the deviants, but that actually took out a bunch of humanity with them. So what was interesting about that is they weren't even really trying to take out humans. Humans were just there the real goal of their flood was to take out the deviants and that is actually very similar to the original understanding of the flood story in the bible because we're usually taught that the flood is an attempt to judge humanity and wipe out humans right but in the ancient jewish understanding it's not the same as what we understand today god wasn't trying to wipe out humanity he was trying to wipe out something else humans had just been corrupted and were sort of a victim. So do you know what God was trying to wipe out in the original understanding of the flood story? Fallen angel. Oh, you're so close. (laughs) Little G gods. (laughs) Do you remember when I talked about the Nephilim? It's in Genesis 6. The gods Uh had reproduced with humans to make these hybrid beings, half human, half god. And they were trying to destroy humanity or rule them as kings and corrupt them. It's kind of like 2001, A Space Odyssey, where the aliens try to corrupt humanity, right? So in that telling of the story, when God sends the flood, he's trying to defend and save the uncorrupted portion of the human race as opposed to being an angry, wrathful god that just wants to kill all humanity, as it's often understood. That's what that comic clip I found was. It was a picture from the story arc where the gods were trying to wipe out the deviants, and humans are sort of caught in the middle there. So I thought that was interesting. There are a lot of pieces in this story where the creators of the Eternals were trying to explore the creation story, the creation of the universe and the creation of mankind. Did you guys catch any of that in this movie?
1: A little bit. Again, it's a movie I probably want to watch again, just because I didn't catch everything even the second time. So, But I yeah. did catch a little bit of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a god being born. It's Tiamat. And then you had another god, Erishim, who was sort of overseeing the birth of Tiamat, who was in the center of the earth and was going to destroy the planet if he was born, right? Did you know that Tiamat comes from another religion's creation story?
1: It's Egyptian, right? Or- it's
0: close. It's it's kind of that area. Yeah, I think it's Mesopotamian. Okay. And that, that's kind of like a region. So I don't know if Egypt <clears throat> falls in that region or not. It might be Samaria. Some
2: Babylonian guy. Babylonian.
0: Yeah. Babylon was in that area too. Tiamat. Is the god that Tiamat in this
2: movie? Yeah, Mesopotamia is based was on. in basically it's present day Iraq, Kuwait, Syria, and Turkey. So it, it would make sense that it would be probably Mesopotamia because ah. he was being born out of the Indian Ocean, which is right there. Yeah,
1: and when I Google it, the first thing it says is in Mesopotamian religion, Tiamat is a primordial goddess of the sea.
0: Yeah, in these other religions. Mesopotamia, the Babylonian religion, there was this battle of gods, right? It's kind of like, you know how in the Greek yeah. mythology, all the gods are fighting each other? That's basically what these other religions uh, believed. They had a very similar story. And I think the Greek gods kind of spilled out of the Mesopotamian mm-hmm. and
2: Babylonian. Well, some of the, like in this movie, some of the character names are actually reminding me of Greek gods. Athena, Athena, you know, very similar. Icarus, yeah.
0: It's spelled different, but Icarus Mm -hmm. is a Greek character, right? So we've got a mix of religions here. I think in this movie, we can see Mesopotamian elements, Babylon, like they're in the city of Babylon. And we've got Greek mythology all in this melting pot. So, question then, did you also see any, any Jewish or Christian religion? in this movie as well or did you just see those other elements
1: i just noticed some i mean i'm not as knowledgeable as you obviously so um i just saw or caught some of the more like Athena, being goddess of war athena pretty much same thing so i assume i mean some of them like fast i've heard before um, uh,
2: that's a mesopotamian
1: gilgamesh i've heard Circe, yeah. Ajax, ajax So I knew a lot of them were pulled from different religions. I'm assuming Kingo, the Bollywood character, he probably pulled his name from an Indian or Hindu spirit or something, God. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm guessing all of these names were taken from something.
0: So I see a lot of these other religions in the movie, but I also see the Jewish and maybe first century Christianity here too, because believe it or not, like we think of the battle of the gods as just being Greek or Mesopotamian religion. But I think it's actually in Christianity too, especially if you start looking into some of the extra biblical sources like the book of Enoch. But some of that stuff is in the Old Testament and we just have a hard time seeing it. So you've heard me kind of talk about there's a there's like a hierarchy in the Bible of spirits. You know, there's God at the top. He's like the equivalent of the prime celestial here because God created some other spirits that we think of as angels, but back then in the Old Testament period, they didn't think of them as angels because angel's not really a type of being. It means messenger. The type of being is a god with a lowercase g. So, Satan is actually not a demon. He is a god with a lowercase g. So, all that means is he's a spirit being not as powerful as God, Yahweh. So, God... And then you've got underneath him, you've got these these little gods, you know, angels. Demons are something else entirely. They are not the gods. So we think of Satan as a demon, but he's actually not. The equating between Satan as a demon didn't happen until like the second century. So you can look up this paper I found. It's called "When Did Angels Become Demons?" and it's on JStore.org. And I found quite a few sources. I've got. Another book called The Origin of Evil Spirits. So, if you want to trace that, you can. But basically, there was this hierarchy, all these different types of beings. So, the hierarchy goes like this you've got God, capital G, and he creates the gods, lowercase g, and humans, right? That's where we're at in the Garden of Eden. But when we get to the flood story, some of the gods have rebelled, which we call fallen angels, and they reproduced with human women to create these half-human, half-god beings called the giant clans or the Nephilim and all their descendants. So they were kind of like these wild creatures. They were kind of human, but they were more savage is probably a good word for it. So then when they die in the flood, their disembodied spirit was thought to have hung around, and that is what a demon or an evil spirit was thought of as. Interesting. So what you're saying is Bigfoot (laughs) is Nephilim or Nephilim. (laughs) Sometimes I I joke about that. Yeah. So in the New Testament when you see Jesus casting out evil spirits, these people are not possessed by Satan, because he's one of the gods. They're they're thought to be possessed by a demon, one of the disembodied spirits of the Neph. So again, you want to read about that, look up a, a book by Archie T. write it's Origin of Evil Spirits, or look up that paper I mentioned, which actually slightly disagrees with the definition of demon, but he takes a minority view, so I won't get into that. But you, you can kind of see there's all these different types of beings, right? So I think in this movie, a lot of the different characters are actually modeled off of some of these different characters, like angels, or demons, or the gods, or Yahweh. Uh, some of them, I think, are modeled off of the gods of other religions, but I do think early Judaism is in the mix with all these other religions, so it's really, really complicated to keep track of, but I think basically the Creator was trying to figure out which one of these religions could account for The origin of humans as he wrote the story. So it's kind of like a way of exploring our origin. Interesting. Were you able to see any of that now that we're talking about it in the movie?
1: So, yeah, when they're talking about Erisham and he's talking about how, when the celestials are birthed, their energy goes and produces billions of other solar systems. So, yeah, you know, I can see the birth of Earth basically. Being a part of that, you know, creation story, which is a story, you know, a little bit different than what we were taught when we went to Sunday school, but still a lot of similarities I could see, minus the seven stone Superman flying around.
0: Here's the great equalizer. Did you know that that story about Tiamat, the Mesopotamian creation story involving Tiamat is actually referenced in the Bible's creation story? Really? Just nobody knows it. Oh, yeah? In fact... Like the Egyptian creation story is in Genesis 1, and the Babylonian creation story, the writer was actually trying to speak to anyone in the region. So he grabbed these other stories. He basically wrote something called a polemic. It's like a critique of the other creation stories. And he was basically saying, hey, Tiamat didn't create earth. Yahweh did. But underneath the early Jewish idea... Tiamat was not necessarily a made-up god, and Egypt's god wasn't necessarily a made-up god. It may have been made up, but it may have been one of the gods with a little g, like the the fallen angels. Because if, if you think about Yahweh, like the Christian god, as the father of this family with the gods and humans, basically when these other gods would want to be the head of the family, maybe they're like, oh, we don't like that God made humans we don't like that God has this plan for humans. We just liked it when it was just us, us and God, right? So they start kind of doing their own thing, like Satan in the Garden of Eden, right? Well, what happens is the other gods, like Satan, are basically trying to take over Yahweh's position. They're like, we don't like his decisions. We want to make our own decisions, or we want to kill humans or something. So when they go rogue, Maybe they pick up followers in Egypt or something, right? So it's quite possible that the early Jewish view of gods and angels actually accounted for all of these other religions. Isn't that interesting?
1: That goes deep. It does make it cool.
0: It's called a pantheon of gods. Like people are probably listening to this thinking I'm like talking about polytheism. But polytheism is like Greek, where all the gods are kind of on the same level. The difference between that and the pantheon in Christian thinking is that, like, Yahweh is the only being like Him. He created all the others, and they're lesser. But in Genesis chapter 1, you know, it's talking about God separates the heavens. That is a reference to Tiamat. In the Babylonian creation story, Tiamat was killed by one of the other gods And her corpse was split in two. And one half became like the heavens and one half became the earth. When the writer of Genesis rewrites that, he takes the name out and says, no, Tiamat didn't create the earth or Tiamat's corpse. God did. That's where that's hidden in there. So you could look at this movie partially, not as like an anti-Christian movie. You could look at it as like, oh, it's the battle of the gods, right? Tiamat's just one of the fallen angels and things like that. I mentioned that those other creation stories are buried in there. Well, the Egyptian creation story was that the Egyptian god spoke everything into creation. And so the Genesis writer saying, no, you know, again, the Egyptian god is just one of the fallen gods. So Yahweh did that. <laughs> That's probably the most controversial theology I've introduced on the uh, podcast.
1: That is interesting. I don't
0: know how to say I don't know how to reply to that. I'm like, um, okay... <laughs> it actually kind of disturbs people. It doesn't bother me. I don't have any problem with it. And I don't, it doesn't make me question the Bible. I don't know if this bothers you.
1: No. No, I mean, again, it depends how you take it. I mean, depending on how deep you want to get into this. Yeah, I think the Bible's great. I think you can learn a lot from the Bible. But there's a part of me that always thinks that the Bible was written by man. Man is flawed, you know?
0: (laughs) It is interesting that God partnered with humans, right? Because I do think you're going to see some of the human personality in there. And me, I still think it could be God's message, but you will see some personality there. So maybe they have the message and they're like, oh, I'm creative, and, and they write something that reflects their creativity motivated by God, if that makes sense. I agree. I'm
2: kind of with Doug on that, too. Obviously, the Bible is important, and there are a lot of things to learn from that, but I don't take it literally. I They talk about the creation was in seven days. I don't take it as literally seven days. I think a lot of them, because every religion has a flood story, my personal thoughts on the, on the whole flood story is I don't think the entire world flooded. I think a lake got too big, <laughs> you know, and to them at the time, you don't know how big the world is. That could have been the entire world, right? But it was just a massive flood. I, I mean, that, that's just mm-hmm. kind of... Because every every religion's got these stories. They all kind of tie together. They're all a little bit different. So to say that a flood didn't happen, probably happened. I don't think it happened to the extent. I think some of these stories are a little bit of exaggeration. They're entertaining stories. And again, there is stuff to learn from it. But a lot, especially like the Old Testament stuff, I don't take that literally. I don't think.
0: Well, you're in luck because in the original language, there is room for the flood to be local, given the context. So, there is a debate mm-hmm. about that, and there's, there's a legit case for it. So, I, I think that's interesting. And I, I think what I'm trying to explain here with Genesis is somewhat to what you said, Genesis may not be meant to be taken literally. It might be a theological message, because the days of creation correspond to the creation stories of these other religions. I mean, that, that's probably not a scientific message. He's trying to speak about the views of the day. And the reason it's so confusing is we don't live in that society anymore. So we don't believe in these other gods or we don't know about them. We don't know their material, but like they like took sentences almost word for word because they wanted the people of the area to recognize the story. And be like, oh, I know this story. It's familiar. And then, oh, wait, you know, something's different. It's, it's not plagiarism. It's like citing something. It's almost like in a movie where you intentionally tell people, I just saw a commercial and it was that scene from A Christmas Story where I look like Matthew McConaughey <laughs> or somebody who looks like him got his tongue stuck on a frozen pole. Well, we all know that's from A Christmas Story, but then they use that to advertise, right? So this would be like using that for a message.
2: No, it's they were on Scrubs. Oh, it's and, not Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, he's got his tongue, and they're doing the phone.
0: Oh, yeah. Bottom line here is there's a lot of religious material from a lot of different sources in this movie, so it's kind of like a Rorschach. Maybe you see what you want to see because maybe the creator mm-hmm. of Eternals was looking at all of them, which makes it interesting to me, but I wanted to put out there that all that stuff is repurposed and referenced in the Bible, so you could look at this as... The Jewish perspectives in there, except that maybe in this story, the prime celestial, which would be the Yahweh figure, is against humanity or, or cold towards it. That would be a little bit different. But otherwise, you know, there's some good pieces there. So quiz time. So let's create like a key for understanding this movie. I wanted us to try to figure out what each of these characters might represent in that spiritual story. So, you know, I'm kind of coming from the Christian and early Jewish perspective. Traditional Christians might think some of the things I say are a little confusing. That's because I'm looking at like second century and before. Let's look at this character, Tiamat. What do you think Tiamat represents? Like what type of being from these other religions we've discussed? The
1: God of birth, bringing to life.
2: But the same way is also destroying. Creating the planet, I guess, right? But with his birth, the planet ends.
1: Yeah, but he's not like, oh, I'm here to destroy the earth. He's just like, hey, I'm
2: here. Oh, shoot. But he's also destroying life at the same time. So That's great. (laughs) You know, I don't know. What do you call that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. If you're in a polytheistic religion, then he's one of the gods, right? If you're in early Christianity or early Judaism, he's gods with a lower G who we call today angels. That's what he is? That's what I think. Oh, okay. Well... We're trying to figure out
1: what they are in, in history or what they represent in the movie.
2: What they represent. Oh, I, okay, I can see Okay, I can see the angel part because he is like a... He's not the big god, but he's one of the other, right? One of the lower gods. So I see mm-hmm. where you're going with this.
0: Yeah, it won't be a perfect analogy, but I think it gets pretty darn close. Now, I think another difference, though, between Tiamat in the movie and Tiamat is I'm pretty sure Tiamat... Tiamat's a female goddess. And in this movie, I think they changed him to male and they changed one letter of his name. So what about Arishim, the prime celestial? What does Arishim represent?
2: Well, I I think he'd be like the head honcho. So he's got to be God, right?
1: Got to be God, right?
0: So he's got to be either God in Christianity or Judaism or Islam or the most powerful of the gods. And so if you're looking at Greek mythology or mesopotamian religion it'd be probably like the god in charge that conquered the other gods Oops. would you argue that erishim is evil or uh indifferent or
2: i don't necessarily think that he's evil i mean he had a he had a plan and his plan was just to continue to i mean he was expanding his i i guess all the his angels or whatever so he did need humans protected. I know that he had an ulterior motive for keeping them protected because what the earth has to reach a certain population before this new god can be born. So that's why he sent the eternals there to protect them until they got to a certain population. And then you guys go home, we're gonna kill the planet, keep moving on. I don't necessarily think he was evil. I just don't think that he had a whole lot of compassion for humans. They were just they were necessary for mm-hmm. his plan. It's not that he didn't like them. It's just I don't have a use for them anymore. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's kind of like deism. Yeah, maybe where God's kind of distant. Though it's not like early Christianity where God cared about humans as much as I
2: I, I think. If he were truly evil at the end, he would have just destroyed the planet regardless. I think he would have. He wouldn't have shown a little bit of compassion at the end because he even said, "Show me why they're useful, and then I'll come back and reevaluate later." So, I mean, if he was evil, he would have just said, you ruined my plan. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead. They're all dead. And he didn't do that. So
0: So he's not evil. He's just cold. Is it cold
1: or is it just, eh. I mean, are we cold because we walk outside and accidentally kill 45 ants while walking to our car? We don't even realize it. You know, they're looking up at us and these giants walking around and it's like, they're murdering all of us. And it's like, I don't even know you're there. You know, so it's like, I don't think he's trying to play God. He's trying to, like Drew said, produce more celestials.
0: Oh, is this film trying to debate whether or not humans are animals or not?
2: Oh, just like that's our whole existence is just to... Well, it's similar to,
1: you know, if you really want to go there, the Matrix, because humans are just batteries.
0: I thought that too.
1: As you live and die, your body sinks into the earth and Tiamat takes that energy. And now he's got billions of people on the earth, all producing energy and raised up all these nuclear plants and everything. And now he's ready to come to life. And when he comes to life, he's going to produce billions of other planets or solar systems. A lot of them that could be 10 times better than earth ever could be. That's where the uh, debate comes in, in the movie. It's like, save these billion people or have billions of planets with billions of people on those billions of planets why just save this billion
2: yeah, yeah that's a good point cuz so i think he just looks at humans as they're just a commodity that's all they are they're just a resource and that's what i need right now
1: yeah. and you really think about it you know our think of batteries and the juice in the batteries are a solar system that you just don't realize it's a solar system. You just think it's a battery. And during that whole time, an entire lifetime goes through, and then you're just like, throw it away. Yeah. Start up a new one. You
0: know? Yeah.
1: That's probably what he thinks of it.
0: I've seen some other reviews of this movie, and some of them thought that this was a whole way to talk about abortion. I didn't catch that at all. And I actually think it's not. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh, they're going to have to abort Tiamat for. You know the humans to live, but I actually think they just didn't realize that they are actually retelling the Mesopotamian creation story in this movie. I think it was literally just inspired by trying to explore these different religions and which one might be the origin of humanity. I do not think it's actually uh, anything political, yeah. in my opinion. It's. I could not. be wrong because we don't know what the director had in his head, but I know what the writer yeah, of the I think that's story had into
2: this. something that's not there. Not, well, I didn't see anything political in this entire movie. It's, yeah, yeah.
1: All, all, but all sides found something political to complain about, too.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what you do when you don't know the original context, right? Like, you have to guess, and then that can lead people down some paths that are not the writer's yeah. intent, but it seems correct at the time.
1: Leave the politics out of the movies.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you think the Eternals represent. What, what type of being
2: do you think... The whole time I saw it, I kept thinking of them as angels, guardian angels. They're there to protect. And that's yeah, that was their job the was thing. to was just to protect humanity. So that's just how I always thought they that's all they were. They were just basically angels.
0: Yeah. They're a near perfect analogy of angels, I think. Or, you know, in the old testament period the angels were called the gods, lowercase g. So the point where it gets a little confusing is we talked about Tiamat and Arishem. You've got Arishem as the prime celestial, but then what's Tiamat? Because in early Judaism and Christianity, Tiamat would be a god or an angel, right? But here, in the Mesopotamian version here, all the gods are equal, right? So it's more like Greek Greek mythology. With the whole word gods, it becomes confusing. But I think of it as like, Ereshim is like a colder Yahweh, and then Eternals are angels. It actually works out really well because you've got fallen angels too. Like Icarus is going to take a turn in this movie. So he's kind of like a fallen angel. So he's kind of like Satan or one of the other fallen angels because some of them are going to decide, we don't think humanity is worth saving. It's actually like a perfect retelling of the Garden of Eden
2: story almost. Would you consider like, uh, what's his name, Tiamat? Would he almost be like a demigod? Because that's like part deity, part human. And the only reason I say that is because he's being born using all mm. this human energy. That's kind of the same thing as a Nephilim. So you have right. a god and a demigod, and the other guys would be the angels.
0: Yeah, yeah maybe he's a Nephilim. <laughs> oh, that's amazing.
2: So I was paying attention a little bit.
0: <laughs> so get this. I mentioned one of the comics was based off the flood story earlier, right? So in early Jewish religion, the angels were thought to have, like some of them rebelled. It was thought that some of the angels tried to intentionally get rid of humans. So that's basically what Satan was trying to do, because he tempts Adam and Eve to eat this apple, or fruit, we don't know what kind of fruit it was, in the Garden of Eden, and God had said, you know, if you eat this fruit, you will die. So my thought is Satan comes in and is like, I'm going to get rid of humans because I don't think it was a good idea for God to create them. So he he gets them to do something that he thinks will get them killed. That actually was thought to repeat all all the way, maybe until now, but there were three major rebellions like that. The second one was the flood in Jewish theology. They thought that some of the fallen angels tried to corrupt humans. which is what made the flood necessary, because they they did become really corrupt. They almost caused themselves to go extinct. So there's two versions of that story. In Mesopotamia, the fallen angels that tried to influence humanity are the good guys. Like, they had good intent, they just didn't do the best job. And they're called the Apkalu. But in the book of Enoch, over in Jewish theology they had evil intent. So there's kind of a debate on whether or not they were good or evil. But what they did was they tried to teach humans to make weapons of war, uh, give them technology, teach them to make jewelry so that they would start lusting and they'd be greedy and things like that. And they would make them go corrupt faster so they would make themselves go extinct. Now you see something in this film where these Eternals, the angel figures, are trying to influence humanity for one way or the other. Do you remember where it was?
2: I can't think of his name. He's the guy that's got mind control. Trig. He wanted to end that war, and he said, I've had enough of this. And he just basically was able to mind control every single person to put down weapons and stop fighting. And it's like, I should have done this. I should have done this 500 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I should have done this a long time ago, and he didn't do it. But that's him interfering mm-hmm. with the natural course you know, the human's actions. It's like the prime directive in Star Trek. They're not supposed to interfere. That he's like, I've had enough of this fighting, and I'm doing it. And he did it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like the Apkalu the, in the Mesopotamian story where the fallen angels were good. Yeah. They were trying to help humanity. You see anything else? There's a very short scene when they're in Babylon. So when she uh,
1: creates the water to water the plants?
0: Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, that could be considered something. There, I thought there was a scene where they gave them some technology. And I know there was later because one of the characters helps create the atomic bomb and gives that to humanity, and then he later regrets that. I can't remember what kind of technology they made, but it's early in the film in Babylon, and it's like they gave him like the wheel or the plow. I think they gave him the plow. That's
2: what they helped him with. The plow. Yeah.
0: So that is straight out of either Enoch or the Mesopotamian religion story. I guess we didn't see them give them... Oh, we did see him give weapons of war. We just talked about the atomic bomb.
1: Well, I don't think he made the atomic bomb. I think...
0: He's given the technology. He just,
1: yeah, he, his, that, that was his job while he was there, is to inspire people. He didn't build the plow and give it to them. He inspired the people to come up with the idea of a plow. And then that's why he ended up quitting, because the... Ideas that he gave, they continued to make into weapons where he was trying to create life and way to continue living. We just created weapons. That's what made
0: him cool. So he had good intent, so it's not exactly the Enoch story, but it is maybe the Mesopotamian story.
1: And at least that's the way I took it.
0: Well, what about the deviants? What do you think the deviants represent?
1: Demons. I'm still a little confused on that because... Ereshkigal created the deviants as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a perfect analogy. They could be well, the Nephilim. Yeah,
2: I mean, he did. He created them. They were supposed to take care of all the apex predators, right? And then they basically uh, became the apex predator became and started hunting themselves. humans. So that's why the Eternals had to come and basically protect the humans from from them. So he, it could be a fallen angel. Yeah, because they're
1: basically the same. Eternals and deviants were both created by erishem so he sent the first set of angels down and they're like well why do we have to protect these humans why can't we just eat them so they became the angels who did not like the humans so you Mm -hmm. could call them the fallen angels and then erishem sends down the eternals which are the good angels to fight the bad angels so it's it's kind of an angel on angel war going on
0: that works I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer for this. There is a possibility from the Babylonian creation story, though, because in that story, Tiamat was murdered, and when Tiamat died, that's when her corpse turned into the heavens and the earth. When Tiamat died, she created monsters, the first dragons. So I wondered if that's what those deviants represent. They're dragons that came out of the death of Tiamat. Of course, Tiamat doesn't die in this film, so it's not—it's not perfect, but it's possible they were looking at that in that creation story. Have you ever heard of the Epic of Gilgamesh?
2: Yeah, it's Mesopotamian, and I know that it's basically it's like his journeys. I know it's—it's it's almost kind of like *Gulliver's Travels* in a way. It's just—it's him traveling. I know that he helps out a goddess and in one point and has to like fight a creature. It's been a long, long time. I've, like, heard the story, like, once, so I'm trying to remember everything about it. But goddess... So
0: helping out the goddess, is that Athena?
2: The aid of goddess Inanna and drives away the creatures infesting her tree. And then after someone dies... I mean, there's a couple different ones, but it sounds like he was kind of a warrior.
0: Yeah, he's actually a Nephilim. Oh, okay. I don't know if they call him that in the Gilgamesh story, but he is a half-human, half-god. Hybrid figure. He's a giant. I think he's. Yeah, he was actually a Sumerian, Sumerian king.
2: He was a historical king in the Sumerian city state of Uruk, ruled anywhere from like, it says 2900 to 2350 BC.
0: And there's some overlap between that and the book of Enoch and the Old Testament. So he's somewhat connected to at least a version of the flood story because he actually meets the Sumerian version of Noah, someone who survived the flood. By building a boat. Oh. So there's a character in this movie called Gilgamesh. So that character, inspired by this child of the gods or a Nephilim. what do you think Gilgamesh is? I guess we already said we thought the Eternals are angels, which I still think is probably the most accurate. I like Mesh. He was Yeah, I was I was not happy that he wasn't in the last half of the film. Yeah. Because I, I liked him. But what about Ajax? So we, we said the Eternals are all angels, but I wondered specifically what you thought Ajak represented because she is basically in command of the other Eternals. So if they're all angels, she's in command of the other angels. Does that inspire any ideas of what maybe she might represent like biblically or anything?
1: Maybe Michael? Is Michael the head angel?
0: Yeah, like an archangel.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, similar to you know that, I know she's... Uh... Based off of the uh, Ajax, is that a Greek demigod or something Uh, like
2: that? Let me take a look here. That I don't know. Do you know, Drew? Ajax. He's a Greek mythological hero. There's actually a couple. There's Ajax the Great, Ajax the Lesser, Ajax the Cleaner. Ajax the Cleaner. Ajax Duckman from the cartoon Duckman. Makes me think of
1: Jack from Mortal Kombat or Jax. Jax? (laughs) (laughs) I know that her name came from that, as did Icarus. I did like how uh, they did mention the story of Icarus. You know, Icarus was the one who flew too close to the sun, burned his wings up.
0: Well, that plays out almost note for note. Sprite made
1: that up like in whatever BC. They actually said that in the movie or, um, at some point. Cersei's telling uh, Jon Snow. What's Sprite from? Uh, sprite's a fairy.
0: I know that from video games, but does that come from something older than video games? I'm sure it does.
1: I think Sprites have yeah. always been, you know, like fairy type. And that's why that character is a child doomed to always be a child. Cause she's kind of the little sounds like, you know, he took stories from everywhere. So, you know, it's not just gods from different religions. You know, you got Sprite who obviously is the fairy of the group. You know, you can take that from Tinkerbell, you know, whatever. Uh, they actually talk about that in the movie too, about how, you know, she is the Tinkerbell of the group. Druig. Name comes from the Druid people. So, you know, the names are all taken from either a god or some kind of legend, supernatural or otherwise. So, yeah, I would say Sprite, 100% fairy of the group.
0: I'm reading here in my notes that Tiamat, in the Mesopotamian and Babylonian religion, in both, Tiamat gave birth to the first generation of gods. So it seems like in this film, they just made Erishim the prime celestial, when in those other stories, it actually started out as Tiamat, and then Tiamat was killed by another god. That's interesting.
1: And I didn't catch much of it in the story, but is Tiamat, is he the prime celestial, or is he just the celestial for our universe?
0: Eresham is the prime.
1: Yeah, but that's that's why I was wondering, because, you know, it's like when Erishim was born, maybe he created all the universes around us, including our universe, and he overlooks that. And it's like, okay, Earth is one of the things where this God, my brother, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is he creating a family or is he, you know, kids or is he creating brothers and sisters? Where I was confused.
0: I took it as like Tiamat's maybe a son. Oh, I guess we don't know. But I did take it since Ereshim was called the prime celestial. I took it like he was the head of the family. This is the way I understand Christianity, God's making a family. He's a father. He's making angels and humans. So when I looked at this, I thought, okay, Erishim is the father of this family and Tiamat is like a child. I don't know if it's his, but but he's helping to manage his birth, I guess. In
2: the comics, this character is called Erishim the Judge, and he's one of two Celestials who have the right and the ability to judge which planet civilization will live and which will die. So apparently there's two of these. It's him and one other guy. They are the only two that have the right to create and destroy. I would say that puts wow. him at at the top. With uh, They don't mention who the other one is, but...
1: I know Nowhere was a uh, Celestial. From another movie? From uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the big head they fly
0: into? Yeah. That was a Celestial. I forgot about that. And so was Star-Lord's mm-hmm. father in Guardians 2. Ego. Yeah. Yeah. So that's somewhat loosely connected, at least in the Marvel Universe, to this film.
1: Yeah, that's where I was confused, because I know there's multiple Celestials. You know, they showed another Celestial in the first Guardians when he was talking about the uh, stone they were trying to get.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: There was just a lot going on in this movie.
0: Yeah. Well, like all the theology that we just mentioned is so much to keep track of. And it's interesting that they threw all these different theologies into this film, because if you want to nerd out about the theology... All these gods in their stories, they they had, like in Mesopotamia, Tiamat was the big cheese, you know, the prime celestial. Some of these religions may have had a political message to say when they wrote their creation story. Because when the Babylonians wrote their creation story and killed Tiamat, and that's how the earth was created, well, that might be a way of saying hey, our God is better than your God or our civilization is superior to your civilization. That might be what that is. It's a theory that scholars have. Now, this part's really interesting. When the first book of the Bible was written, Genesis, I have my own theory about what the author's doing. If you think about these different religions saying, oh, my my God killed your God, my nation's better than your nation and all that. The way I look at Christianity and early Judaism, since they believed some of these other gods weren't necessarily gods, they're, they're just fallen angels, right? I think maybe the writer of the Bible was like, by depersonalizing all of these stories, he's basically saying, guys, quit fighting about which nation is better. Like, God loves everybody, you know? We're all supposed to be together. You're all brothers, you know? And I think that's the reason, that's part of the reason he, he put all of those other creation stories in Genesis 1, in the days of creation, and critiqued them and then threw out their names, so it's hard for us to see today. But that's kind of what I was thinking was going on. He's like, hey, guys, you know, quit quit bickering about which nation is better. Like, you're all children of God. That is my personal theory. It's a good theory. So now that we've gotten through all the theology there, how confused are you? Not as much. I mean, I, I,
2: I see it, and it's making a little bit more sense to me. Like I said, I when I watched it, I could catch a lot of you know, where they were going. and I could see the, you know, the the similarities between certain religions, you know, based off the names and here's a creation and here comes doomsday or Armageddon, you know, the planet's going to die. I caught all that stuff, but there are, yeah, I I think after talking this through a little bit more, it's making a little bit more sense with where it's all coming from. It's like, you're right. You sit down and you watch it for the first time and it's just trying to to digest everything was a little rough.
0: I think it might play a role in interpreting the film, too. So we'll see. It might be an exploration of where humans came from and their relationship to a higher power. All right. Now that we've talked about the theology behind this film, we're going to apply it. We're going to talk about the plot in our next episode and what we think this film means, what it's trying to say, and whether or not we recommend this film. So stay tuned, subscribe to our YouTube and TikTok to help us build those channels if you enjoyed this and we will see you soon.